Hello, everybody. Hi, happy Sunday. Well, we are so excited to see all of you here. We're going to go ahead and move into our time of meet and greet. So go ahead and stand on up, walk across the church, and go introduce yourself to somebody new. Our first one is one that 
I'm really looking forward to. Did you guys know that next week, daylight savings ends? Did you know you get an extra hour of sleep next weekend? So exciting. So don't forget to set your clocks back because on November 5th, everything moves back an hour. So that's our first announcement. Our next one, and this is something that um, Vince and I did when we first came to the church, our new members class. Um, yeah, woohoo! <laughs> Um, that'll happen in a couple weeks on November 12th. It'll happen after the second service in the history room, which is right around the corner there. Um, it's a really cool time where you come and you get to know the church and what they believe, like what we believe is a church and what we do is a church. You get to know some of the different church members and the church leadership. So it's a really cool time to come and get to know what the church is all about. So if you're new and you're interested, that is a great time to show up. The other bonus is that lunch will be provided. So... Yes, there's nice. There, there's that. So um, if you could RSVP to pastor or to the church office, that would help us plan accordingly. So that's in two weeks on November 12th. Um, there is no reason to be tricked this year. We have our No Tricks, Just Treats Harvest Party on October 31st. Yeah. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be from 6 to 730 here at the church, and everybody is invited. So come on out for that. Um, and then our last announcement, we have our Christmas play practice today at 5 p.m. Yeah, I love the cheers. This is great. Um, sorry. So if you're going to be, so if you're in the church, come on down at 5 p.m. We do have practice tonight. And with that, we have our kids that are going to sing us a special song. Well, not sing us. Well, they are singing it for us. Anyways, it's a special song for pastor. So if you could go ahead and help me welcome them up to sing for us. So as you guys can tell, today is Pastor Appreciation Day. If you have not had a chance to write a thank you note for him, there are still cards in the back. Um, you still have time to do that between services. Drop them in the basket back there. But uh, Pastor and Ricky, if you'd come up here with me, please. Um, we, have a, we have a gift bag here for you. We have... Um, a token of appreciation that the board voted to give you as well. 
okay, for your pastor appreciation, but we want to let you know, you know, sometimes we need to stand in front of you to protect you. Sometimes we need to stand beside you to encourage you. And the rest of the time, we need to stand behind you to support you. So we want you to know that all of us here do support you. Let's give our pastor a round of applause. We love you guys. We love your family. And we are so thankful for all that you do for us, each and every one of you. We couldn't be here without you. Thank you. Yeah, we are so thankful to have a pastor and a family that uh, they do so much for us. We're really appreciative of it. Uh, with that, we're going to move into our time of offering. Um, our verse for today comes out of Matthew 6, 31 through 33. It says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. With that, can you guys go ahead and stand with me as we pray over this offering? Lord, we thank you so much for this church family. We thank you for the blessings that you've given us through the relationships that we have with each other, through our pastor and his family and everything that they do for us. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be set on seeking your kingdom first. And we pray that, that we would continue to seek for your guidance in all that we do. I also pray that you would bless all of this offering as we sing to you and as we give of our tithes and offerings. You are such a good God and this is the least that we can do to say thank you to you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Go ahead and bring up your offerings. Hallelujah. Who's ready to worship Jesus this morning? Amen. Yes, amen. Hallelujah. Praises to the name of God. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Yes, it's mine. I'm at the author of my story. Yes, is my yes, no. There is a Yes, he's mine. Yes, he's mine. 
change me Darkness held me down Jesus pulled me out I'm no longer bound I'm so glad he changed me See I Now a new creation in Christ The old has gone There's new life I live by faith Not by sight yeah. There is a new
Let's give the Lord a praise offering this morning, a clap offering. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's bow our heads as our brother prays this morning and our sister pray. Amen. Señor Padre, qué glorioso día, un día fresco, maravilloso, Señor. Estar ante tu presencia, Señor. Nos gozamos de la alabanza, Señor. Levanta nuestros corazones, Señor. Nos acerca más a ti, Señor. Gracias por nuestra congregación. Gracias por el coro, por esas bellas melodías que levantamos a ti con todo nuestro corazón, Señor. Te amamos, Dios. Te amamos. Bendice en este día a nuestro pastor que te ama, a su familia que te ama también, que ama nuestra congregación, Señor. La palabra que él tiene, Señor, siempre nos acerca también a ti, Señor. Gracias porque lo utilizas de la mejor manera que tú sabes hacerlo, Señor. Y él está haciendo la voluntad que tú tienes para que nuestra congregación, a partir de sus enseñanzas, sus prédicas, Señor, nos acerquen también a nosotros hacia ti. Bendícenos en esta mañana, en el glorioso nombre de tu Hijo Jesús. Yes, Lord, we do thank you. We thank you that our names are written in the book of life. We thank you that we are who you say we are. Help us to remember that, Lord. And Lord, we thank you today when we can come and worship you in person, but we thank you for technology so that people who are homebound can watch over the internet as well. Be with all of us, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for today when Pastor will come to deliver your message to us once again. And even as Mark said, we pray that we will stand with him. We stand in front of him to protect him. And most of all, we do stand behind him in all that he does because he is so busy as our lead pastor. And we thank you for that. And so now we plead the blood of Christ over his very being and that you would indeed use his voice as yours to deliver the message that we need to hear and remind us once again, Lord, that we are who you say we are. We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, I believe those words, amen, hallelujah. What's sets free, oh, is free. I'm a child of God, yes I am.
there's room for us in this place. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, as we stamp this series this morning, I so thank you, Lord, for revealing things, new things to me, Lord, as I read this book five times now, Lord, in the last past month. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for what you were doing. The Boazes and the Ruths that you are producing in this place. So, Father, I just pray you stamp this, seal it in our hearts, but may we live this way. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Thank you, church. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. What a beautiful day the Lord has made. Amen. Amen. And I'm just so blessed to be here with you all. It's so good to see so many uh, people here this morning. And I just want to say, young man, I'm so proud of you for coming early. I know your parents come to the second service, but I'm very proud of you guys for being here. Um, I just want to say thank you to all those who um, are just doing so much behind the scenes, uh, things that, you, that no one sees, that no one knows. Um, I just want to say thank you. And you know who you are. God sees, and that's all that matters. Can someone say amen? amen. Ruth chapter 4. Let's turn there. Ruth chapter 4. We are finally here. Oh, and yes, I do want to say, too, uh, today my family and I are going to be, um, if you, some of you have given a gift right, right in the beginning of October, and I just I want you to know I haven't been ungrateful. Uh, trust me when I say this, I'm grateful for, for everything you do. Um, so my family and I today, after, the, after second service, I was going to say after the service, after second service, got to be careful with that. After second service, we're going to go home, and um, we're going to go through all of that, and uh, as a family, we sit together, we pray over it. And we just want to say thank you. So can we say thank you one more time? Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Ruth chapter 4, we are finally here. Uh, for those who have read this book, uh, this sermon may be boring for you. Uh, but that's okay, uh, because I'm going to wake you up. Um, uh, for those who haven't read this book, there's a suspense to what's to come. Um, and how this story is going to end. So we left off with Ruth running back to her mother-in-law, trying to explain to her all the butterflies that was going on in her stomach, the excitement of maybe getting married, and uh, she's excited. And Boaz takes off to the city, and he's handling business. Somebody say handling. handling. Business. Boaz is a man who handles business, and that's an amazing thing. This chapter is showing us the reality of redemption. Somebody say redemption. And what it looks like. So Ruth chapter 4, we're going to read right now, verse 1. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down, and behold, a close relative to whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, come aside, friend, sit down here. So he came aside and sat, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. An amazing thing I see from Boaz right here, Boaz wants to marry her. But there's a closer relative. And so Boaz is quick to obey God when he realizes he might have a chance. Um, and so he heads towards the city gate. This was a place where um, civil matters took place, legal issues. Okay, you wanted, to, you wanted to close a deal. You wanted to do something. This is where he did this. And he asks uh, the men to come. Actually, he doesn't even ask them. He just tells them. He says, come, sit down. Now, we need to talk right now, and, and, but I want to look at verse 18 of chapter 3 one more time. You don't have to turn there, but just, it'll be on the screen, hopefully. Verse 18, uh, this is Naomi talking to Ruth, her daughter-in-law. Then she said, sit still, my daughter, until you know how the matter will turn out, for the man will not, what's that word? Rest. rest. The man will not rest until he has concluded 
the matter this day. Testimony of a true man or woman of God when obedience to God comes first before everything else. When there's a command by God according to his word, some would put it off and say, you know what, I'll do that later. I'm going to sleep in today. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go out and do that. But later, but Boaz says, I will do it now. And in Boaz's case, all other things become secondary, even his rest. You see in that? Ladies, if you're looking for a good man, if you're single, I, I got to say that. If you're single, <laughs> it's about to bow man. I have some upset husbands up in this place. La single ladies, if you're looking for a good man, right here is what right here says, he will not rest until it is done. Okay? He wants to obey God. Boaz is a small picture of Jesus in those times, a redeemer. He, he gives us a picture of, 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 for those people who lived in the Old Testament, Jesus also took the initiative, took action, eagerly longed to be with us. Said his bride, I, I want to obey I want to, I, I love these people, but he also did it for the Father. John 14, 31 says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, so I do arise, let us go from here. So for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that, amen? amen. But he didn't just do it for us. He says right here, for God, he says right here, I entered into the world so I, can, so I can show the world that I love the Father, that I want to obey the Father. And so as we continue reading these next few verses, we see more of God's providence. And that's Ruth, and that's what it's all about. The book of Ruth, I see, I see God working in the background. It's not like other books where water, is, uh, where tea is being turned into wine. What'd you put in there, young lady? Um, it's not where dead people are, are rising. We don't see a visitation from an angel. I don't know if you've seen, I don't see any visitation from any angels. All I see and all I know is, is God is intervening with his invisible hand. He's working things out in the background. Here's Boaz. He wants to meet a man. He wants to meet a, a close relative. Nothing special about this. Nothing extravagant. It's just day-to-day -day life. He wants to meet a man by the city gates and talk about business. I want to encourage you. There are so many Christians that are disappointed in their walk with Christ because they don't think God is as obvious as they would like him to be. They want their decisions in life to come with a bang. And there's nothing wrong with your life coming with a bang. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't limit God to the things that he wants to do in your life, the things that you cannot see. And this is exactly what's going on here. God is writing this story through natural means, people, day-to-day -day activities. Everything in this book has been about what? Moving, dying, working, marriage. But compared to any book in the Bible, is there any less of God? Again, I don't see any crazy things happening. Is there any less of God? No. 
guess what I'm trying to say is when you pray for God's will, don't limit it to the things that you want. Just know and understand that there are things that God can see and knows you better than you know yourself. And he wants to do things that you can't even imagine, that you would never even dream of. I've said things like, this is not how I planned it. This is not how I wanted it to be. But it's when I look back, because I'm, by the grace of God, I'm still serving God. It's when I look back. I can't imagine if I wasn't serving God today, I would look back and say, wait a second, I did that on my own. I want to be able to look back and say, God was there all along. I didn't leave. By his grace and mercy, I'm still in his will. That was God all along. God did that. He put the pieces together. He's the one that orchestrated all that. And even through our folly, even when I fall, by his grace and mercy, I'm able to come back home. Can somebody say amen? amen. So there's a closer guy to Ruth, a closer relative. He shows up, and Boaz says, hey, we need to talk. And this is where Boaz starts rolling up his sleeves, and he starts showing his tattoo, his muscles, <laughs> right here. This is where Boaz does this, right here. Verse 3. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. Verse 4, and I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it. And I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Can you imagine Boaz right here? His heart sank. His heart sank. Boaz is going, wait, what? He says, I'll redeem it. We know Boaz had feelings for Ruth. Can someone say, ooh la la? Yeah, but those ooh-la-las have gone, ooh, no, no. <laughs> he had feelings for Ruth, and Ruth, vice versa, had feelings for him. But I want to tell you, he wanted to do the will of God. He submits himself to the law of how this redemption things work. And you know what's crazy? Boaz in this moment could have said, you know what? I should have just done it on my own. Why did I do it? Why did I have to go through the protocol? Why did I do this? I could have just grabbed Ruth. She likes me. I like her. Why did I have to do this? Now look, I don't even get the girl. Don't ruin it, sister. <laughs> but I think Boaz, no matter how much Boaz loved her, his desire was submitted to God's will for Ruth to find the Redeemer God wanted for her. Boaz, again, not my will be done, but your will be done. His desire for Ruth was he wanted God's will. His will his desire was submitted to what God wanted for someone to be redeemed. So you had to be the closest relative. You had to be willing. Thank God Jesus was willing. Can somebody say amen to be our redeemer? Amen. So many people ask, why did Jesus have to come to the world and die? Why, did, why this? Why that? Why have earthly parents? Why did he have to die a torturous death? Why not, why not just snap his fingers and just do what, you know, and let our sins be gone and, and move on? He had to do everything he did 
because redemption was bound by a law. His desire to save humanity could not just be some random act. There was a protocol. There was a way God wanted it. He had to go through a requirement that God demanded for us to be redeemed. Boaz could not just go to Ruth and take her. He could have, but he would have been, he would have been outside of the will of God. Jesus did the same thing. Jesus came and paid a high price for you and I. So to redeem someone, you had to be a relative. You had to be a close relative, and you had to be willing. Do you know Jesus was our relative? Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch, then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Wow. Jesus came down with a people that were fallen even though he had not fallen. He was perfect, closed himself with flesh. And now Christ in this place has the right to be our redeemer. So Boaz had to be a relative. So did Christ become our relative in a way as he wore, as he wore flesh and blood. Amen? So what happens? He says, I will redeem it. Boaz now, I can imagine he's a little down. But I think he has a, you ever play cards? You know that, the, that last card you got on the table and you say, oh, by the way, and you flip it over and they're like, oh, I think this is what's going on right here. Then Boaz, on the, he says right here, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Motobitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetrate the name of the dead through his inheritance. So he says, hey, there's this lady, Naomi, she has all this land. Um, are you going to redeem it? The guy says, of course I'm going to redeem it. I'd be a fool not to. I got it. I'm going to take the land. I'm going to take Then he throws out this little card and he goes, oh, by the way, there's a, a girl named Ruth, the Moabitess. And notice he throws in the word Moabite. He doesn't say Ruth, the lady that all the men of the town think she's a noble woman. <laughs> he doesn't say that. He says Ruth, the Moabitess. So either one, he's trying to really, he wants him to know who she is, or there's a stigma. He knows, hey, if you take this lady, uh, there's going to be something on your reputation. So he throws in this, so he goes, oh, hey, by the way, there's uh, Ruth, you're going to have to take her too. And if you take her, you're supposed to have children, and guess what? When her kids have, when her kids, you ain't taking anything. It belongs to them. And the guy said, no problem. Let's see what he says right here. Verse 6. And the close relative said, oh, sorry. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. What? You, you, 
You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. When Ruth wasn't involved, it was, yes, I'll take it. The moment Ruth's name is brought up, all of a sudden, he said, no, I'm good. The moment he thought he was going to get rich, the moment he thought it was going to benefit him. But the moment there was a price tag, the moment there was responsibility, the moment there was sacrifice, he said, I'm backing out. I'm good. Boaz, by the way, I think you and her look really cute together. <laughs> Remember again, if you're a woman and your husband passed away, you needed a redeemer, you have children, and now those children take on the family name and they keep the land. And the redeemer, he's just a redeemer. So what does this mean for the closer relative? He's saying, if I take Ruth and I give her children and all that she owns is going to go to her kids, well, what's in it for me? And that's the point. This man who is unknown, unless you see, so I don't know his name. He shows me a picture of some people, and that is obedience to God is very attractive and looks good when we can see the benefit. But the moment we see the sacrifice, the moment we see the cost, we back out. We're quick to accept the, 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 the excitement of serving God. We're quick to, we're quick to, remember this young guys, remember this right here, remember what I'm saying right here. We're very quick to start a ministry. I'm so proud of a young lady. She came to me last week and said, Pastor, I'd like, to, I'd like to be in ministry. What can I do? She's only nine years old. Remember, it's cool. you're very quick to start a ministry. But what happens when persecution comes? What happens when somebody in the church ticks you off? What happens when the pastor ticks you off? What happens when all of a sudden now there's a cost? What do you do? Hey, I'll take it a step further. People start calling you names, maybe family members who you knew at one point when you were a sinner, you used to hang with them and, you know, do a little whatever. And all of a sudden now you're living a different life and they say, hey, man, why are you acting so holy? And they start calling you weird names. And man, you're, you're just being weird. All of a sudden now we begin to feel the cost. We've been, we don't get invited anymore to the family dinners because they feel uncomfortable because we're not drinking with them. Am I, am I preaching to the church this morning? Oh, thank you, sister. I appreciate that. All of a sudden, there's a cost now. He says, no. He says, uh, I'm good. And you know what's crazy? I, th I think about this. What, what was this man worried about? He said, at least I ruined my inheritance. And I thought, can you imagine... If he would have said, hey, my job is to be a redeemer, 
we would have known his name. All of a sudden, the thing that he wanted to preserve, to preserve was lost. We never know his name. We don't know about his lineage. He's just like Orpah in chapter 1 as she walks into the darkness, and we never see her again. Think about it. Uh, wait a second. You mean, you mean if, I, if I stay here, I'm... Mm, no, I... There's no certainty. I, no, I can't do this. I'm going to go back to what's familiar to me. I'm going to go back over here. I, and, and what does Ruth say? Ruth says, no, no. I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. He's doing the same thing. Let me tell you something and before I move forward. You will always lose when you disobey God. I don't care who you are. I don't care what, what you got going on in life. You will always lose when you, when you put yourself first. You will always lose. When you think the risk is too much, when you say, I can't do it, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to throw it in, I'm just not going to, you will always lose in the end. Verse 7, now this was the custom in the former times of Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, one man took off his sandal. I should have wore sandals this morning, but it's okay, I was going to just demonstrate. And gave it to another. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore, the, the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day. I don't know, if, I think he might have said it something like this. You are witnesses this day. He's probably just, he was very boisterous. He's probably just saying, hey, you are witnesses that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Milan." Mahalan, from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Mahalan, and I have acquired as my wife to perpetrate the name of the dead through his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. Yes. Ooh la la. You know, it's crazy. As all this is going on, Ruth's just back at home just doing what she's told. Just, can you imagine if Ruth would have been like one of those girls that you see on TikTok? One of those girls just coming out and says, hey, what's, go what's taking so long? What's going on over here? And she's, what, what, did, what did Naomi tell her to do? Sit down and shut up. <laughs> Sit, young lady. He said he's going to do it. Let's wait. And all the wives said amen because the men in this place are men of God. Can somebody say Amen. Men of God. He wanted to let everyone know. He says, you are witnesses this day. He wanted everyone to know his love for the girl. And it's amazing because Jesus did the same thing. He declared it publicly on a cross 2,000 years ago. As a memorial for all eternity, as a reference point. Even in our calendar, we measure our time based on this event, his death. Isn't that amazing? And the whole world cannot deny there was a man who lived by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You and I are witnesses every time you hear the gospel. I don't care if you heard it a thousand times and you say, I still haven't received him. Guess what? You are a witness that he loves you. You are a witness. Whether you're here in person or watching online, you are a witness that God gave his life 
for you and told everyone he loves you. It's so, it saddens me, folks. It's so, I was talking, it saddens me. I, so many people have all these philosophical questions. You know, it's like, well, why did he create hell? Are you sure he's the God? Are you, it's like all these, and it's like, after all that he did, what more do you want God to do but to send his son and die for you? Is it not enough? Is it not enough? No, for some people, it's not enough. What more do you want? Time is running out, folks. You're a witness whether you believe it or not. You will stand before him and give an account for everything you have done as a parent, as a father, as a mother, as a brother, as an older brother, as a sister. You will give an account, and the cross will either speak for you or it will speak against you. Verse 11, and all the people who were at the gate, and the elders said, we are witnesses. Somebody say witnesses. We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. Wow, powerful women of God. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Oh, that is so beautiful. They pray a prayer, and the greatest prayer they can think of is like Rachel and Leah. They take Ruth, the Moabite, and they put her amongst these women. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It shows me it don't matter your past, don't matter what you've done, you could be amongst Rachel and Leah. Amen. Heaven's looking down and saying, hey, you know what, while they're, playing, while they're praying for you, we're going to add a blessing to this. Heaven's saying, we're not just going to add a blessing to Israel. He's going to bless. We're going to bless and build up the church of Jesus Christ. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And they went to their honeymoon. And he lit candles. And wait, sorry, don't say that. It says, uh, sorry, my sorry. So Boaz took Ruth. She became his wife. And when they went, he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Somebody's, Boaz means business. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Verse 14, then the woman said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, and, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is better to you than seven sons. Can you imagine Naomi in this moment? Again, I know she misses her sons, but this blessing, these words, can you imagine in that moment when she lost her boys and she's thinking it's hopeless? This woman here is saying, the woman who loves you, your daughter-in-law, is better than seven sons. Which shows me when the things of this world we lose and we feel there's no way I can move on. I can't do it without them. I can't do it without this. I, it's over. God says, no, I got you. Just hang in there. Just hang in there, Naomi. Just hang in there, Ruth. Better than seven sons. This woman right here. Now again, I don't see any honeymoon here. I'm not sure if that's because he hadn't read the Song of Solomon yet. I don't know what's going on. If there was, it was very fast. 
But again, Boaz means business. Um, this boy that's being born is going to be a redeemer himself. And why is this significant? He is the lifeline that's going to continue the name that's lost to Naomi and Ruth. The family is going to live on, and the people notice this, and they say, your baby is going to be a redeemer, a restorer to life. And you know what's crazy? There was another baby that was born in Bethlehem later that was a restorer to life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Naomi is being blessed by this. Her life is being restored by the child that was born in Bethlehem. And it's amazing because you see, you see Naomi's life in chapter 1, how people were talking to her and how she was talking to them. Uh, uh, verse 20, I don't know if we have that. Are we able to put that up on the screen? Um, she says, call me Mara. Call me, don't, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. I'm, she's bitter. This is how we're introduced to her in chapter 4, or in chapter 1. But chapter 4, we get a different picture, a different version of her. God can change something. Maybe this chapter of your life is going crazy, but chapter 4 is coming, church. Amen. Chapter 4 is coming. Amen. One moment, you're, you're, you're feeling darkness. You're, you're feeling, next thing you know, all heaven is opening up to you. Naomi is being blessed, but not just because of her, because of Ruth, Amen. she's being blessed. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 15. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who was better to you than seven sons, has bore him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom, and she became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, This is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Let's stop right there. Isn't that amazing? This is more, this is more than Ruth having a baby. This is more than a man finding the love of his life. This is more than a romantic story. This was about God preserving a nation that was headed towards annihilation. And he says, I'm going to save them. What was Ruth chapter 1, verse 1? Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled. There was a famine in the land. And the book before this was the book of what? Judges. Good job, Tay. And the last sentence in Judges was what? I'm sorry? That's right. Thank you, sister. They were doing right in their own eyes. I love this story because no matter your situation right now, how grim, how dark, how bad it looks, by God's grace and mercy, his providential love, his providential story, his plan will win in the end, teenager. Mother, father, as long as you are here and you are trying your best and you're giving God your all, his plan will win in the end. You could become weary, feeling all alone, especially in the world that we live in. Church, I don't know if I could just be honest with you. We as believers, it seems like the world is just 
especially Christian people. You know, I'm not even sure. I was talking to somebody the other day. They're like, I don't even want to call myself a Christian anymore. I'm just, I believe in Jesus and I follow him. When people say they're a Christian, everyone says they're a Christian. What's a Christian? I believe in Jesus. I follow him. You know, it's like Christians are dropping like flies. They're compromising. I don't know about you, but I just feel, I feel more alone and alone. And it's crazy. And I look at a story like this and I, I could begin, I begin to see hope. When I look at a book like this, I, I, I think to myself, God, during this time that we live in, where everyone is doing right in their own eyes, we're getting there, church. Everyone is doing right in their own eyes. We live in a time where God is doing something somewhere. He has not changed. God is the same today, yesterday, and forever, and forever he will be the same. He is doing something new. He has not left his standards. His standards are still the same, and he's looking out into a world saying, I'm looking for a Ruth. I'm looking for someone. I'm looking for someone who, when everyone else was doing this, they were doing what was right. Jesus has a remnant in these last days. He's going to deliver. This is not the end of the chapter. And I don't want you just to believe this for Ruth. Believe it for your own life. Believe it for your own family. I want God to write my story. I want God to write my story. I don't want the demonic to write my story. I want God to write it. The disobedience and the mistakes I've made, I don't want that to be the end of the chapter. Let's do what Ruth and Naomi did. Let's stay. Let's stick it out. No matter what kind of fear or anxiety you have or attacks that come your way, the test that you're in right now, the tribulation that you're feeling, that you may be experiencing. Let me, let me put some security in your heart and mind right now. I don't want anyone here to feel insecure about their walk with God. Everyone in this place should feel secure in their walk with God. But let me ask you a question. And for those who are writing this down, I want you to write it down. Let me ask you this question. Are you convinced that you are totally, what's the word, um, are you convinced, are you submerged into God's will and, 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 you're, and you love him with all your heart, mind, and soul and nothing else matters to you? If you can answer that question with a yes, you have nothing to fear. Yes, emotions will come, but you have nothing to fear. If your answer can't be yes, when I, what I just asked, you have everything to fear. You have every reason to worry. You have every reason to be anxious. So wherever you're at, God wants to write your story, no matter what the chapter looks like today. So ask yourself, where am I at in the will of God today? Where am I at right now? Is my heart in the right place? Am I walking around with a chip on my shoulder? Am I ticketed off? What's going on? Where's my heart? Is my heart sold out for God? Is my heart just like Ruth where I say, where I lose everything and I say, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Is that your heart this morning? If you can't speak that, I don't envy you. I don't care what kind of degree you have. I don't care how popular you're going to get. I don't care how much money you have. I don't envy you. But if you're here this morning and you're humble 
and you're repentive and you're willing to work it out and you want to move forward, there you will find true peace of God. There you will be in his will. It's right there. It's right there. So where are you today? In a time where everyone is doing right in their own eyes. You know what's crazy? I, more and more, I see more and more people finding more joy outside of church than in church. And it breaks my heart. There are more, there are more teenagers today who find more excitement out there than in here. Where are you? Or are you like Ruth? You don't know what tomorrow brings, but you say, Lord, yes. I can't wait to see the story he writes for you. And when I say you, I say you. I'm not just saying you. I know exactly who I'm talking to. I can't wait to see the story he writes for you. Whether I'm here for 20 years or a year, I will look back and I can't wait to see what God does for you. But it's hard when our money argues with God. It's hard when our entertainment argues with God. I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to uh, raise a child when they're constantly arguing with you. Can the parents say amen? If you're a mom out there, or maybe a father, and you're trying to raise your kids, it's kind of hard to raise them when they're constantly arguing with you. You know, it's kind of hard for God to do his will when our lifestyle argues with him. When our personal dreams, well, this is what I wanted to do. When our personal dreams argue with God. God looks at Ruth and says, everyone's doing their own thing. I can use this woman right here to bring the Redeemer. Right here. God is looking into this generation. He's looking at someone who says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. There's a lot of people that go to church. But not a lot of people can say that. As I close this message, I don't want to just stuff your head with information. I'm going to be honest with you, church. I don't want to just, I wasn't trying to, verse by verse, I'm not just trying to stuff your head with all this information because we got a lot of that on YouTube and all this stuff. I, I, that's not what my, um, we need people who are sold out for God. We need people who are sold out for God and want God to be real in their life. Not just the subject to study on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday. Not, not no. We need people who say, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people, my people. Your God, my God. I'm right here. I'm right here. And because of Ruth, when you go to Matthew, chapter one, it starts off. It says the book, the genealogy, of Christ Jesus, the son of David, 
Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot, begot Perez and Zerah, Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenadab. Amenadab begot Nashon. And Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. When I read these names, not only do I see some of your children and your grandchildren as God is going to be doing spiritual things in their life. They might not come to church here. That's okay. Our God is bigger. He could do anything because of your prayers and because of your exampleship. God wants to continue the name. Hey, maybe daddy was an alcoholic. Maybe mommy was strung out on drugs. Maybe you've been told all your life, you will, maybe you've thought you will, that will be, no, 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 no. God wants to do a new thing, and he wants to start with you. And if he could use a woman like Rahab, he could use someone like me. You know, it's an amazing thing is, I, again, I just go back to Abraham. I, I, I keep going back to this picture of Abraham when God tells him to sacrifice his son. And last week I mentioned this, and Abraham in that moment could have been upset at God, could have shook his fist at God and said, God, why? And you know who would have saw that? His son. But you know what's crazy is he tells his son, hey, we're, we're going to go, and when he says we're gonna, you're going to be sacrificed, you know what's amazing? His son doesn't even try to stop him. Which is a reminder to me as a parent that I never poison my kids against the father. That when I tell them, you know what, guys, it's time to jump. We got to go. They say, let's go, dad. We're right here. Because of years and years of Abraham's obedience to God, his son saw that and said, father, I will follow and do what you say. What a revelation to a grandparent, to parents to show them when it comes to disagreements and things in the church, never, ever speak those things in the wide open. Save it for the room. Save it for the room. Come into my office and speak it to me. Don't ever poison the little ones or someone that's new in the faith. Don't ever do that because there will come a day you will say, you know what, it's time. It's time. We're going to obey God. And they'll say later, what are you talking about? But his son said, Father, I will go. You're going to lay me right here? Let's go. Lay me. And right before his time, God stops him and says, okay, now I know you love me more than you love your son. I mentioned this last week too. I just feel leading to say this. God sent his son to die for us. He loved us more than he loved his own son. That's how much he loves you. Do you have the heart of Ruth? Where you say, your people, my people. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. 
May our hearts be changed like Naomi. May our lives count for something like Ruth. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here this morning and this is, maybe you're, maybe you're 10 and under, maybe you're 10 and under, maybe you're 10 years old, 9 years old, 8 years old, 7 years old. Listen to me. You're here in this place. Maybe Jesus is not living in your heart. Maybe Jesus is not living in your heart. If Jesus is not living in your heart, the Bible says that he can, he can come in, he can dwell with you, he can live in you. The Bible says that he loved you so much, he died, he died for you. God sent his son to die for you. You're in this place, you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. You, you, you're 13 and under, you say, I want to receive Jesus, I want Jesus in my heart. You raise your hand. God sees that hand. Anyone at all. God sees that hand. God sees these hands. Hallelujah. You know, as a parent, and to the parents, thank you, kids. You put your hands down. Thank you. As a parent, sometimes we do things, we make mistakes. There's things I've said I wish I could take back. But today's a new day. Today's a new day. May my, my life be an example for my kids and their kids to see that they may follow in obedience as well. May my words and may my actions not poison them because of something in the church, a disagreement with someone in this world, anybody. May they see Christ in us and we as parents make mistakes. You're a par Don't let that hang. Today's a new day. Maybe you need to repent this morning for bitterness. Maybe there's some things in your heart and in your life. You're upset, you're angry, you're mad. You need to say, I, God, I, I just want to give, Lord, I, I want to give this to you. I don't want this anymore. Maybe it has nothing to do with that. You just, this morning, you want to give God your life. You say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus. You lift your hand. No one's looking around. You lift your, you lift your hand. God sees that hand. Amen, sister. Anybody else? God sees that hand. Hallelujah. Praise us to the living God. Praise us to the living God. Glory to God. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I mean, we're a family in this place, amen? amen? And as family, we don't judge one another. Can somebody say amen? amen? Amen. Sister, can I have you come here right here, please? Come with me right here. Kids that raise your hand, I want you to come here right now. 
Anybody else that raised their hand, I want you to join me right here. Come join me right here. This is a no-judgment zone right here. Come here, sister. Come on. This is a no-judgment zone. Just face me right here. We're going to pray right now. We're going to pray together in Jesus' name. Come on. I'm not going to bite. Well, you know I bite you, but I'm not going to bite. <laughs> Come on, guys. Come on. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. What a beautiful thing when kids give their life to Christ. Amen? When young women, mothers, give their life to Jesus. When young men, future Boazes, can somebody say amen? Amen. And future Ruths. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Pray with me. Say, dear Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I'm sorry for what I've done. I do believe you died for me. And you rose on the third day. And you are coming back. I surrender my heart to you. My life to you. Lord, I want to be an example of what it means to be a believer, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this morning, church? Amen. 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 You guys stay right here. You guys stay right here with me. We're going to sing out that song. Let's sing out that song. Let's worship the Lord. Stay right here with me. We're going to worship God this morning. We're going to sing verse 1 of the second song.
child of God in this place. Amen. 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 Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Miss Kenzie, I'd like you to come down and pray us out of here, please. Let's all bow our heads. Amen. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord, and I want to thank you for um, the sermon and everything you've given us, Lord. Um, thank you for this day, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you very much.